0: Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Homeline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you, it's good to be with you. Appreciate that good opportunity, or as we say here in the uh, city, as we say here in the city of gold, a golden opportunity. Uh, since I'm here now to remind everybody about uh, the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, uh, the uh, the city of gold will be celebrating on May the 24th, and we hope everybody out there either will be here, or will have a representative here. Make sure to get all the information. Go to mizrahi.org slash yy50. Mizrahi.org slash yy50. I know that you spend some time um, constantly, practically every day, just like we're doing. You're reminding people to try their best to be in Jerusalem that day. So everyone circle the calendar and try to be there on, be here rather, on the 24th of May.
1: Better they circle Jerusalem and uh, be there. The calendar, you know, is just a reminder, but being there is what's important.
0: No question about that. Today, by the way, a fun day in Ushuaia in the Jerusalem Marathon, um, and uh, yet another. I mean, we've discussed this a million times. Yet another opportunity for the city of Jerusalem to invite people from around the world to see its beauty and to see how incredible it is, and to fill up the hotels again for a couple of nights, which is nice. And uh, thank God everything was safe here today. Everything went well. Uh, You know, it's always on the top of the priority list how things went security-wise, and thank God everything was fine. Baruch Hashem, B'liyayin Hara. Also, Malcolm, we must, you and I must, acknowledge that the New York Times itself, believe it or not, um, cited what the JTA had cited a few few weeks ago, uh, that Jason Greenblatt from the White House uh, tunes into a weekly Jewish radio show featuring Malcolm Holmine each week. So I don't know. Do we have to start? Uh, do we have to start doing this a little differently? Maybe think think twice instead of once before we say things on this show, or we can continue as usual. Well, one of us does think more than
1: once usually before we say something. <laughs> <laughs> but but, <laughs> but you never know who's listening in any of it. That's why you always have to be careful. Make sure what you're saying is right and. Um, and I think that uh, maybe we informed some of the discussions that he had uh, this week in Israel and elsewhere.
0: Well, that's the big question. You and I were discussing this off the air. Is there a way for you to evaluate how those talks went, what type of progress he did or did not make during the visit to the Middle East?
1: No, not yet, and we'll hear from, uh, uh, I hope to meet him soon, but uh, I think we'll learn more as uh, time goes on. But I think this trip was not, so much to put forward proposals as it was to hear from all the different parties. Uh, He met with Abbas. He certainly met with the Prime Minister of Israel twice, I think. He met with even with settler groups, which I think was important, because if you're going to deal with issues like this, you have to hear from all sides, and that's been a population that largely did not have a say to at least present their their position and... um, and I think that he, he will go back now, as as reported, and meet with the president about it. Uh, we'll see what, what will come of it. You know, the, the, the bottom line is that they realize negotiations, a process, can be assisted, can be facilitated by the U.S., but it comes down to whether uh, Mr. Abbas is ready to sit down and really negotiate with Israel. Is he really ready to recognize the Jewish state? Is he just going to put on a show uh, there are many people who believe that right now is the time for more bottom-up things, like economic development and enhancing people's incentive to be, to see peace and to to want to commit, and uh, and that Abbas is not really ready to do what's necessary in order to to have uh, some sort of a conclusion for for these from these negotiations.
0: The Trump administration in general, it seems, has really harped on the term direct negotiations. that That is, I'm just confirming and curious about your analysis, and really I think it's important to remind everybody, that is very different. As as little difference, sometimes people like to point out with the previous administration, that's a significant difference in the previous administration, emphasizing direct negotiations between the two parties.
1: Well, the administrations, all the administrations have, have said that... Uh, that the ultimate negotiations have to be between the parties that they didn't want to impose, but they created conditions which might have been more difficult or gave the impression or incentivized the Palestinians not to talk because they felt that they could get on from uh, the international community, from going to the U.N., the ICC, and other bodies. You saw how Nikki Haley, the U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., how strongly she reacted to some of the actions this week, one where, where uh, this group, EXWA, uh, which is a group of 18 Arab countries who have the East Asian Economic and Social Committee, something ridiculous, uh, based in Beirut, And by the way, with 400 staff people there, so when we're talking about cuts, this is a good place to start looking. And it seems that each of the regional grouping has a similar office that's in addition to the Department for Economic and all of the other bodies that deal with these issues at the United Nations. In any event, she came down very hard because they came out with a report saying that Israel imposes apartheid on the Palestinians. And then it turns out it's written by Richard Falk, who has certainly been discredited over the years. He was a UN official and and uh, viciously anti-Israel, uh, uh, and by all assessments, it seems uh, you know hostile. And he he wrote this report, and she came down about the Human Rights Council's biases against Israel, et cetera. So. Uh, there's a different atmosphere certainly created, in addition to whatever substantive differences, and that the fact that the president said it's up to the parties, he's not going to say whether it should be one, two state, whatever, but they have gone back to the language of, of talking about a two-state solution, and the the, um, uh, the the regional setting is very different we have real challenges still, uh, but the, the regional setting and for the Palestinians the message from many of the countries is it's time to to get to a resolution
0: Obviously you mentioned that, a moment ago about Nikki Haley and the human rights uh, um, you know violation accusations against Israel Netanyahu the prime Minister specifically asked Italy this week to oppose further UNESCO uh, Jerusalem resolutions Does her presence in the UN on the assumption that you know that casual observers like me are right, that she's there with a with with an interest to defend israel um, does it help with 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 things like UNESCO and those types of resolutions, or we're really or she's really there only dealing with the political aspect? No, it's the U.S. presidency.
1: Usually there are other ambassadors who or representatives who sit in these bodies, but uh, not with in regard to UNESCO, because the United States is not a member, because UNESCO recognized the Palestinian state, and U.S. law is that if you recognize it, we're out. So we are out of there. The debate now is whether the U.S. should again pull out of the Human Rights Council. If you remember, under President Bush, we withheld our ambassador. They didn't appoint one to it. President Obama did re-engage at the council, in the ho- and it was supposedly revised, but in fact it reverted back to form and just condemns Israel more times than all other countries together, has more resolutions, I think uh, uh, over nine years, maybe 60 resolutions against Israel and five on Iran, or all the major violators are Syria, and the the... Uh, so the the question about engagement is going to be one uh, that's going to be debated now, whether the Congress will start to cut funding and say to them, if you don't shape up, we're going to cut it out completely, or start seeing some real reforms and changes, not only budgetary, but in terms of the agenda and this bias against Israel, et cetera. Uh, so it will be something you'll hear a
0: great deal about now. Um, and while on the subject of uh, of the administration, uh, Sebastian Gorka, I noticed this in the Jerusalem Post. A counterterrorism advisor for for President Trump. He's reportedly a member of a uh, of a group that's listed by the U.S. State Department as a, as, an affili- as one that has an affiliation with Nazi Germany or I assume Nazi groups in Germany. Uh, and should there be an effort, as the article indicates, by Jewish groups to have him ousted from the White House? Be- but the story has been repudiated, and.
1: Uh, According to people I spoke to last night, like last night, the story has is, is not been uh, uh, justified. <clears throat> there was supposedly somebody in the organization who said that he was a member, but in fact, he, he completely denies it. Said he had no association with them. So we have to get much more facts before. Unfortunately, you know, in this era, anybody can make an accusation, and with the speed of light <laughs> or the speed of the internet, it becomes a fact. And unfortunately, in this case, one of the publications picked it up. Um, but it's not clear that, that, that there is validity. People who know him told me last night that they don't believe that, that this story is at all true. What
0: about the story about the uh, action yesterday between Syria and Israel? Israel's denying that it happened, correct? No.
1: Israel's confirming that they took an action. And it was probably to cut off the supply to Hezbollah or Hamas of some sophisticated weapons. It was the more escalated event, and Syria lobbed some uh, missiles into Israel, anti-aircraft missiles that landed in Israel. Uh, and they have uh, said that this is the most serious encounter. Uh, Israel rarely acknowledges any of the raids that it, t- that it has done, about two, a dozen of them or two dozen over the years, Uh despite which hezbollah has managed to smuggle some of the weapons but not nearly the quantity and israel blew up a warehouse where there was a lot of the uh, the both the missiles and the components but now the iranians have facilitated building underground facilities in lebanon for the manufacturing of the feta missiles and uh... there are irgc iran revolutionary guard personnel plus syrians who are trained at this technical university in in Tehran, uh, who are working on assembling and building the missiles there? Again, it's underground, so it's uh, not really visible, and and we don't know all the locations, etc. But but the the IRGC itself has confirmed the existence of these facilities, and um, and this is in part because Israel knocked out one of the warehouses in Sudan. They knocked out. Um, uh, some of their facilities, uh, transshipment facilities in Syria, uh, and uh, so they had to look for an alternative, and that is to do it yourself.
0: So the denial is about Syria shooting down an Israeli jet. That's that the idea was, said, exactly. Right. That right. Was, that's the that's idea true. that never happened. Right. And on the other things, uh, when we read about the January, uh, you know, the takeout of the warehouse, etc., that was in the Sudan, or some of those were in Syria itself.
1: No Syria only. There was an attack in the Sudan, one or two. Uh, which took out facilities because they were transshipping through Sudan via Egypt, via other ways, Libya, to get to, to Lebanon, to get to Hezbollah. But uh, then they started trans- yeah. transporting it via Syria because they had full access
0: now in Syria, and those attacks were, were in Syria by and large. So, so now you know my next question. You know, based on what we discussed last week, again, I mean, now because of the the Russian presence in the region, and because you know you somewhat described you described to us you know, somewhat last week what the relationship is between the prime minister and the president of of Russia. Before this happens, does, does Israel inform Putin about it? Do they? Are, do they make sure that that there's some type of communication with them because of his. Uh, because of his dominance at the moment
1: in the region. Well, there are two dominant factors in Syria today. One is Iran and one is Russia, both of whom are looking for permanent presence there. Both are building bases, Russia air and naval. Right now, Iran just naval. Um, But they're also, you know, doing exchange of population, doing many other things. When Netanyahu was in Russia recently, you can be sure that this was the major issue of discussion, was the encroachment of IRGC Uh, the militias, Shiite militias, and others backed by Iran um, into the Golan area, and that if there is a ceasefire or anything, that the the Golan is not part of the deal, that 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 is off the table, and that the security situation at Israel is not going to permit it, and they will retaliate, so it's in everybody's interest not to see an escalation here and to make sure that that, uh, both the Iranian... Agencies and uh, agents and the IRGC itself are not allowed to go near the Golan nor near the border of Jordan, which has a long border both with Syria and Iraq and has a huge military presence along that border, but very scared and in a difficult situation generally today. So this is even
0: more potentially destabilizing. Do you think that uh, in, in light of what happened this week, that Israel does have to inform Russia before taking such action, or we're not at that stage where that has to be done? I know it's speculation. No, there is There's
1: coordination. A- there is a coordination apparatus in place, which I assume notifies them if Israeli aircraft are involved. Most of the attacks by Israel have been done by missile, which avoids the S 300 aircraft defense system that Russia provided to Syria. It's very advanced. And uh, so Israeli aircraft have to be uh, more careful. Uh, but I, I think that there is a mechanism in place where there's some notification. To
0: America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel dot com. I'm the Nachum Siegel Network, and of course. On the beloved NSN app, Malcolm has limited time this week, so I'm going to get right back to things in a moment. Just wanted to remind everybody that we thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you are looking for thousands of articles on Jewish subjects and Israel subjects to print out before Shabbos, go to JewishWorldReview.com. Highly recommended. And of course, our friends at OnlySimples.com who continue to utilize our content for much of what they report in their regular news feed, in addition to all the great Simples that they announce. Uh, a big thank you to OnlySimples.com. And a reminder, our varsity hockey and junior varsity hockey championship games are happening this Sunday. Manischewitz are presenting them, and we are going to have them exclusively on our website, on the homepage at com. You can watch them anywhere around the world. Um, Iran has set up underground rocket factories in Lebanon. Now, this this, this is or is not a new
1: story. They, they have been operative for about three months. There have been reports of this uh, for a long a long time. And I think, um, you know, that they, they've been providing them with all sorts of weapons. We know that they have the underground network of tunnels in southern Lebanon along the Israel border. And, um, but now they have these people, as I said before, Lebanese trained there, who are uh, uh, working with them. And this is, uh, you know, obviously a big threat. What was interesting was to see the Secretary General of the United Nations condemn Hezbollah's uh, activities, the fact that it's a violation of the U.N. Resolution 1701 that was adopted after the Second Lebanese War, and that they're not supposed that they're compromising Lebanese sovereignty. But the fact is that because now they are an integral part uh, there were a number of uh, comments this week, and and something we touched on before, that now uh, they are all going to be part of, if, if there's, God forbid, another conflict or, or attack. Um, in the past, Israel avoided civilian targets or targets of the uh, Iraqi government, uh, of this uh, Lebanese government, because Hezbollah was a separate entity today. They are one and the same, and the president, Aoun, is is uh, a big supporter of theirs, and they are have integrated with the Lebanese army. In fact, if we would say dominate the Lebanese army. So they become fair game, uh, and you won't have the limitations that uh, existed before. Yeah, and it goes without saying that Israel and its military forces are well aware of what's happening up north they're well aware of it they they want to avoid any any kind of a conflict they've been warning them about staying away from the border area and uh and and if there are incursions or any kind of encroachment on, that threatens israel's security israel will
0: have to send a very strong message um just back to earlier we were talking about the diplomacy uh and the visit to to israel so it I, i'm I don't remember if you said it or not. There will be a, a definite Abbas visit to the White House? Was there a formal invitation and a formal acceptance to that?
1: Yes, there was a formal invitation, a formal acceptance. I don't know if they set the date. I know that President Sisi is due to come in early April. Others are scheduled to come, and I assume that he will come then as well. Right, but what but, you... he, but he also put down conditions supposedly Abbas, to to Greenblatt that Israel has to stop the settlements that they have to release a number of prisoners they have to guarantee a Palestinian state in the sixty seven borders that they have to um, uh, there were other conditions that they set for uh, uh, the negotiations there, and specifically a timetable all of which are, are I do not think are new but they put they put these forward as uh, conditions. Um, say and some started interpreting it that. Well, maybe he's ready for real talks. I do not believe that, that that this represents any kind of a of a significant change.
0: And when it comes to the nuclear capability, the the North Korea issue obviously very big right now. Iran obviously is always you know uh, a, a, an issue of importance when it comes to Israel. I assume that Middle East envoys of the White House are not addressing those issues, and that would be more of a, a Rex Tillerson. Uh, you know, visit to the Middle East would that be accurate? No, I think that
1: that this is a priority issue of the National Security Council. I'm not sure the State Department isn't really staffed up yet. He is dealing with the North Korea issue. That's true, and uh, but but in terms of the Middle East uh, issues, uh, certainly regarding Iran. Iran announced yesterday that the Bushehr two nuclear reactor is going to is going the construction just started and you know they're also making more threatening statements about the, the naval capacity and threatening the US including having the some a very key guy in the IRGC the man who heads their uh, runs a security policy division of it said that they have a big infrastructure in the United States and that they have 2 million Iranians here uh, and people should not start believing that Iranian Americans are involved I don't believe it's the case, but he's talking about a clandestine army. Uh, I think it's a it's a hollow threat, but but a danger that that they do operate uh, all over, and that uh, those issues in regard to Iran would not be limited. I think it is the uh, priority issue. We will have to see how it, it it plays out. Right now, I think it'll be the National Security Council that will take the lead in that regard. We also have to look at, by the way, the the uh, growth of al-Qaeda again, reemerging as the battle with ISIS, becomes the, has been the focus in Syria. They have come back with a, an, a new group, HST, it's a new umbrella, and they are looking to establish themselves. Um, And you saw the bombing that took place in Damascus, where 74 people were killed, and they said this was a message to Iran and the Shiite militias, because they hit two holy shrines that are really associated
0: with the Shiites. Uh, And just back to Iran for a moment, and we've seen more public statements by Turkey, which seems to indicate that they're pretty fearful of Iran. Um, And I, I wonder if that will only increase the potential of an even better relationship with Israel. Well, it, the, the Iranians are, are upset because they think that are
1: reportedly upset because they think the Russians are veering towards the Turks uh, as opposed to Iran. Iran, uh, we heard, have offered Russians uh, permanent bases uh, at the Persian Gulf, uh, but there seems to be some tension, uh, specifically in, in Iran. And as I said, Iran, like Russia, are are, are seeking permanent uh, status and building the bases. Um, and but Russia, which is also has special forces in Egypt near the Libyan border and is trying to build a base in Libya, is taking advantage of this situation to create a footprint in the region. And their activities along the border there are to support by, uh, uh, Khalifa Haftar, who's uh, leading a military force. And they just want to be there no matter what the outcome is in Libya, that they want to have a power position like they do in uh, in, in Syria, Iran. Uh Iran's foreign minister yesterday issued a warning to Turkey telling them they should demonstrate self-restraint and said to them that they have to act more seriously. Uh, this is pretty strong diplomatic language coming from a foreign minister to, to another country. Um, so I think Erdogan is still preoccupied with Holland and
0: other things, but uh, I don't believe that that will go without a response for long. Hmm. Um what do you make of Jordan's denial of the U.S. request to extradite the Subaru bombing attack terrorists? Is this typical of Jordan? And we've been here you know, down this road before. Or do you think they're going to eventually turn around and follow the U.S. request?
1: I do not think so. I think because of their domestic situation, he doesn't want to. I think we have to remember that the Subaru murderer, um, uh, Al Tamimi, was uh, sentenced. This was in 2001 because of the Subaru bombing. And he uh, was released after eight years as part of the Shalit deal. And remember, mm. seven children were amongst those killed at that horrific event. Fifteen people were killed altogether, and he has since served as a TV host in Jordan and is very celebrated, and I think the Jordanian government is probably afraid of what the repercussions would be and would likely be. But what's important also is that the Department of Justice, for the first time, the deportation of, of uh, somebody for that a kind of act, for, for Palestinian um, terrorist activity. And uh, it's, a, it's a legal
0: precedent, and hopefully they will go after others as well. All right. We should keep in mind also that there was a, a sentencing, I believe it was a sentencing, in the case of the driver in the Mickey Mark murder. Um, and in addition to that, I was told that uh, the trial... Of the terrorist responsible for Ezra Schwartz's murder starts this Sunday in Israel. In fact, some of the boys who are actually at the scene in the van with him are back in Israel for that trial. that starts, I believe, on Sunday. Sometimes we forget about the the justice that that needs to and eventually, hopefully, is carried out in these cases. Uh, that's one of the things that continues to go on and um, move the attacks. And again, we see this week there was an attempt of another terrorist attack here in uh, in Israel, a car ramming. That, I don't know if you saw the video, but it, yes. was, it, it didn't succeed for the strangers of circumstances. Maybe maybe a driver who was, you know, not quite sure what they were doing, but um, uh, these things continue. On the better news, by the way, I know you're limited on time, but i got to mention it, but what was your impression of the mobile ideal this week? Kenyirbu getting fifteen billion <laughs> It should only happen to
1: companies that we're involved with. That uh, that it's really terrific. At, at, at the biggest uh, IP, the biggest uh, purchase, the buyout, uh, 15 billion dollars for an Israeli thing, and it and it just raises the status of Israel's significance and centrality, and especially in this cutting edge technology of you know driverless cars, which uh, will be something that we will all see in the future. No by the way, I don't know that. if you saw also that Israel shut down finally this uh, an agency, the PA, that worked out of Jerusalem to keep track, track of any Arabs who sold land to Jews, and that was finally shut down by uh, Gilad Erdan, the minister of uh, public security. And the, anybody who, who was willing to sell land or homes to Jews was given to the PA, security services, and obviously they were then uh, addressed...
0: And, and uh, on legal grounds,
1: they were able to close that? Yes, because they said it, it violated the sovereignty of uh, of Israel and Jerusalem, and um, and that uh, that it terrorizes Arabs who sell state uh, real estate to Jews. I mean, why should somebody be permitted to carry out in a function like that? One hundred percent. We're also the story- seeing the incursions, by the way, in the areas around Jerusalem along Highway One, where more than a thousand. Buildings already built by Bedouin on both sides of the road. What clearly is a, a land, has implications in terms of a land grab as well. And Israel's been starting to address it, but it's being fu- funded by the EU and the Palestinian Authority. When Israel wanted to build re- reasonable housing and and create towns for them, the EU and the PA rejected it. But now we're seeing that they're they're trying to um, create facts on the ground and more being built every day. By
0: the way, I mean, you know, I mean, I have the chance, thank God, to be here every few months. You on a more regular basis. I mean, isn't it unbelievable? You talk about Highway 1. Isn't it unbelievable the progress that's being made on the construction? Do you you sometimes drive on the BQE and wonder why Israel can't take care of the construction of our roads and infrastructure?
1: Uh, uh, I wonder all the time. It's but... <laughs> just <laughs> unbelievable. The, the, the tunnels and overpasses have been built. They're and really remarkable. That... And, they, 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 you know, it's almost like they came out of nowhere because when you, you, know, yeah. you we drive on those roads, you don't realize all the work that goes on in between. But it is amazing. And now the, the light railroad, the railroad connections, the it's a revolutionary
0: change. Pretty amazing. And, of course, uh uh, do we, <laughs> I'm, although I'm sure it'll, I'm sure we'll get some type of a humorous, humorous reaction, still we understand the importance on the world stage of um, of presenting oneself in a good manner. Uh, in this case, the Israel team and the World Baseball Classic, they, they really, really did well, even though they had a rough ending. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. And they really represented the Jewish people, I thought, really nicely in a variety of ways, including uh, with Pote, as the Hatikva was playing at these games. That, and you, as you've discussed so many times for us about symbolism, that should not be minimized.
1: It shouldn't be, and they would never expect to get as far as they did. The fact that they lost is is the way the game goes, but uh, I think you're right. It really got people in Israel excited, and
0: I think it will project baseball in Israel in the future. No question of that. Well, I promise you would be finished by uh, 8 14. So I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos and greetings from Jerusalem. And to
1: you, and have a great Shabbos there.
0: Keep us in mind. Shabbat.